Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. The tenants help you pay the mortgage. You then go and refinance the property and pull most of your original cash out. And you can do this with a very low down payment since it's a primary residence. You can do it with a 3% down. You could probably borrow that 3% from somewhere. Welcome to the Best Ever Show, the world's longest running daily commercial real estate podcast. Our hosts interview commercial real estate experts every day to get you the best advice ever with none of the fluffy stuff. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Slocum Reed, and today I'm here with Elijah Brown. Elijah is based in Phoenix, Arizona, but traveling full-time in his Mercedes Sprinter van, currently in Mexico. He is the managing partner of Goldhawk Capital, which operates a fund of fund structure where they pool capital to invest in sponsors. Elijah's current real estate portfolio consists of 870 units of multifamily and 100 short-term rentals through a wide variety of ownership structures. Elijah, can you tell us a little bit more about your background and what you're currently focused on? Yeah, sure. I appreciate you having me on. I actually got started in single family, bought four of those, and then quickly scaled into multifamily, started acquiring a lot of five to 20 unit properties. And then I was the lead GP on those deals and then decided that I wanted to scale the portfolio. And at that point started coming into much larger deals as the co-GP and with a fund of funds structure as well. And at that point, I'm solely focused on the fund of funds structure where I pool capital in a separate entity and then deploy that capital into deals that I like. Awesome. So primarily right now you're operating the fund of funds and you have this GP portfolio, but the focus is pooling investor capital and finding other operators. Right. So I did the active syndication business for about seven years and we were in a great market and a lot of those deals went full cycle. And I decided to make a lifestyle change. The whole thing about traveling full-time, we're in Mexico right now in our converted Mercedes Sprinter van, and we decided that this is what we want to do with our time. We want to travel, and because of that, I can't be actively managing. I can't be in a market to guide the contractors or the property managers, so I had to change the strategy. So right now, I'm mostly focused on being a passive investor, but doing it alongside other people within a fund structure. 
logistical question this kind of informs where i think the conversation is going to go elijah when gold hawk invests in a deal are you going into the general partnership as a capital raiser or are you purely an lp it depends on the deal it could be both but right now i'm focused on buying into the deal as a limited partner but doing it through an llc that i allow others to join and here's the reason why we do that, why I let other people in. Because I could go out and write a $100,000 check for a deal and get a 50-50 profit split and an 8% pref. However, when I can write a $2 million check for that deal or a $5 million check for that deal with other people's money involved, then I can negotiate a much better profit split and a higher preferred return. So I end up much better off when I partner with other people to invest passively. Intuitively, Elijah, I can guess why it works that way. And I personally have had conversations with other fund of funds managers. Can you explain why it works out that way? Why is it that you're getting better returns from operators who are bringing more money? Sure. So one of the most difficult things to do as an operator is raise significant amounts of capital. So people like me, who have access to capital and friends with capital can solve that problem for them. So instead of going to a hundred investors with 25 or $50,000 checks, that sponsor can come to me and get one $5 million check in one shot by just having a relationship with me. So that removes a lot of the work that they have to do. And in exchange, they're willing to be flexible on the terms. So Instead of going out to a whole bunch of people, they can just come to me. However, I'm going to want a higher percentage of the profits at the end of the deal. I'd like to dive deeper into this. I ideally get into some real numbers, not necessarily tell me the property's address and who all the people are involved, but you've been on the general partner side of these transactions before and went full cycle a series of times. What market was that? A number of different markets. So I've done deals in Vermont, Phoenix, Arizona, which is my main market now, Colorado, Georgia, California, and a few others. Okay. So please feel free to correct me where I'm wrong. Elijah, I like to make a lot of assumptions and then have you work off of those assumptions to, to sure. explain why your deals work the way that they do. Typically within a general partnership, especially for like an, a value-add multifamily deal, a portion of the general partnership is delegated specifically to capital raising. So call it 30%. 30% of ownership of the GP is for capital raisers, which means that 30% of the returns that the GP would see will go to those capital raisers. So what I'm imagining in my head, Elijah, and I want your feedback, tell me I'm wrong if I'm wrong, fill in the details where you can. What I'm imagining is as an operator who has found a deal, who doesn't want to go get $50,000, $100,000 checks, I want to get one $5 million check, when I'm looking at giving up some of my returns to a fund of funds, what I'm thinking is that what I really get to do is keep more of the general partnership. So instead of giving someone like you, Elijah, the 30% for bringing the money, 
I just increase the returns that you're getting as an LP and keep 100% of the GP. And, and as a 100% general partner, I'll see higher returns as well than I would have as a 70% owner so of the me, general partnership. Go let ahead. me jump in there for a second. So the difference between fund of funds and co-GP model is that in a co-GP model, you're actually coming in as a manager in the deal. You are a co-general partner and you typically become entitled to some percentage of the sponsor's fees, that 30% you're talking about or whatever it is, it depends on the deal. And so I've done that. I've had co-GPs on my deal. I did the 30% thing. I've been co-GP on other people's deals. I got my portion of the 30%. The difference between that and the fund of funds is that a fund of funds is a completely separate entity and structure from the deal. You are not a manager in the deal. A fund of funds will typically come into the deal as a limited partner, as a passive investor, and you're not getting management decision rights. Essentially, you're just a limited partner, but you're a completely separate entity that's coming into the deal. So the fund, actually the deal's sponsor, the operator, is not actually allocating any of their sponsor fees to you as the fund of funds manager. They're keeping it all to themselves. However, they're giving you better terms. So they're going to give you a better profit split and a better preferred return. And then as the fund of funds manager, you then take your own fees at your funds level, which is completely separate from the deal. So you take your fees out and what's left is the net net return to the investors in your fund. And if you structure it properly, your investors on a net net basis will have a higher rate of return or a better projection than what people who go direct into the fund into the actual deal get. So that benefit that you're negotiating with your $5 million check should be significant enough that you can take your fees out of it and still deliver higher returns to your fund of funds investors on a net net basis. Does that make sense? It does, Elijah. I think we're saying the same thing. You're just saying it better than me and coming from a different perspective. So let me pose this as a hypothetical. Sure. I'm an operator. I just got my hands on a sweet deal. I'm under contract. My earnest money has gone hard. I'm in the throes of due diligence or I'm out. I know I want this deal, no retrading. I also don't think I can raise the money myself. So I will either be looking to co-GP with capital raisers and right. give up a part of the general partnership on this sweet deal that I am putting together, or I can come to someone like you and get a $5 million check instead of a series of $100,000 checks. You require a higher return as a limited partner than I was originally intending to offer. Why does it make sense for me to go with you instead of going and getting other co-GPs and just giving them a piece of the general partnership? Depends. A lot of sponsors either don't like to give away sponsor shares in the deal, or it can be a number of different reasons. Perhaps I'm the only option and they're not able to find co-GPs to come in and raise that capital. Typically, if you're a fund of funds manager and you can raise enough capital to bring a significant portion to the deal, you're probably going to ask for GP interest because you want those voting rights, those manager rights. 
I think the SEC is starting to get a bit squirrely with the number of co-GPs that are in deals. And the reason is because a lot of people end up joining deals just to raise capital. And as you know, just raising capital for a fee is not very favorable in the eyes of the SEC. They consider you to be broker dealer. So you have to provide some other type of value, some material participation in the actual deal to be a legit co-GP. And when you have 10 or 15 or 20 co-GPs in on a deal, it's very hard to make the argument that you are really playing a part in the management of the deal other than bringing some capital. I wanted to bring up that there's a third option for the sponsor, and that's to use an equity broker, like a broker dealer. So you can bring people in as a co-GP onto your deal. That'll help you raise money in exchange for sponsor shares. You can go to a fund of funds or an institution or a family office that will write a larger check in exchange for better terms. Or you can contract with a broker dealer, an equity broker, who will connect you with the right people in exchange for a percentage fee. Usually it's 3% of the money that is raised for your deal. So there are a few different options for raising equity. Elijah, that makes a lot of sense. We'll get back to the show with the first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. Deciding how to invest your capital is more challenging than ever. That's why it's never been more important to partner with a company with a solid track record and that has thrived through various economic cycles. Companies like BAM Capital. BAM Capital is a trusted multifamily syndicator that has delivered a historical average of over 35% IRR with an average hold period of three and a half years. BAM Capital has never missed a preferred payment never lost an LP's investment, and never called capital past the subscription amount. BAM Capital is currently raising capital for a fund designed for accredited investors targeting a 15 to 20% IRR and a 2 to 2.5x equity multiple to its investors over a three to five year hold period. If you're an accredited investor and you want to learn more about multifamily investment opportunities with BAM Capital, visit capital.thebamcompanies.com. Again, that's capital dot the bam companies.com are you a real estate investor looking to break into the multifamily investing space have you heard of mfin con happening in charlotte north carolina june 12th through the 14th the multifamily investor nation convention is a place to learn from over 60 high-level apartment investors while networking with more than 700 additional investors if that's not enough for you a-Rod, yep, Alex Rodriguez, 12-time Major League Baseball All-Star with over $700 million of commercial real estate assets, will be live and in person speaking at the event. Also speaking is the one and only Dr. Robert Cialdini, the godfather of influence and the award-winning author. I personally love his books. So be sure to secure your tickets to this live in-person event before they're gone. Go to MFINCON.com for more details. Sponsorship opportunities are also available. Visit MFINCON.com today. Use the promo code BEST ever to get $200 off your tickets. That's MFINCON.com. I want to transition the conversation here. I'm going to take myself out of the general partnership, the operator role. I want to ask you new hypothetical. I want to do what you do and wanting to do what you do. I imagine there's not that much that you know about me. So I want to ask Elijah, I want to create a fund of funds and live in a van Not down by the river unless that river is in Mexico. It's kind of two questions. 
What are the background experiences network that would make me a natural fit for starting a fund of funds? And I want to get beyond the success as a GP. So I've done it before. I'm really good. Let's set that aside because that answer is very good and very obvious. What are the other things that would lead naturally into starting a fund of funds? And the other question is, what skills do I need to start developing now? It's funny because the business of fund of funds and capital raising is completely different from the business of buying and managing and renovating and dealing with an actual property yourself. I did that. We got through it. We made a bunch of money and it wasn't a ton of fun. Not going to lie. I'm going to be straight up honest. My main skill was developing relationships with people and underwriting deals. So I think in the new business, it's mostly about establishing relationships. It's a lot of marketing and networking and LinkedIn. And essentially, it's mostly you're just focusing on how to be the best capital raiser and due diligence guy, but not specifically due diligence on the properties, more due diligence on the actual sponsor, because everybody does their underwriting differently. I can go through an underwriting model in 30 minutes and know everything I need to know about if the numbers make sense. But it really comes down to when things go wrong, can I trust that the sponsor is going to be able to solve the problem and see it through? And if it's a big problem, will the sponsor save the day, either with a check from himself, herself, or some type of creative strategy that will get the deal out of trouble? So you have to be very good, going back to the skills that you were referencing, you have to be very good at vetting sponsors, so learning how to ask the right questions to establish trust with the sponsor. And then you also have to be very good at making relationships with new people who may become investors in the deal. When did you start Goldhawk Capital? Goldhawk has been around for a few years. However, I have been doing deals for seven years, and I consider Goldhawk to essentially be my entire track record. So Goldhawk has always been there, but we officially did the branding and the name and the website reveal a few years ago. We're recording in 2023. So a few years ago was a very different market for multifamily than we are experiencing now. Are you looking for new operators to work with currently, or are you sticking with the operators that you've seen success with for the last few years? No, I'm really open to all different types of operators. It really comes down to what my pool of investors are looking for. For example, in multifamily in Arizona, year one cash on cash on a value add deal is only going to be around four or 5% just because cap rates are low and interest rates are high and there's not a ton of cash flow. So my investors have been asking for higher yield. So I've been on a search to find sponsors who offer higher yielding portfolios or products. And that is ultimately what led me to acquiring interest in this Airbnb fund where we're going out and we're buying a hundred single family homes and operating them as Airbnbs. The yield is going to be three times what we get in multifamily albeit with higher risk, but higher cash flow. Our strategy has changed significantly. We were originally only interested in small to mid-size multifamily with heavy renovation 
and then we moved to only being interested in large multifamily with a medium renovation. And now we're exclusively focused on just raising capital for higher yielding opportunities within residential real estate. Higher yield within residential real estate, going to short-term rentals makes a lot of sense, especially considering, Elijah, that you are sort of changing asset classes right now, but likely definitely changing business plan, at least from the operator's perspective. How is it that you're vetting operators in this new space for your fund? You have to adapt to the changing market, but the basic principles of how to establish trust and an understanding of another person is pretty much the same. It's the same in any industry. You really have to know if this person that you're writing a million dollar check to is going to do right by your money and execute on the business strategy that they've presented. And as we all know, as soon as you buy the property, everything goes wrong and nothing actually ends up like it is in the underwriting. So I need to find a sponsor who's got a track record and essentially knows what to do in those situations, someone who's done it before. So I'm looking for someone who has their head on a swivel and can make the deal work in many different environments. Do you require from your operators a certain level of experience with their business plan before you'll invest with them? Oh, definitely. I like to see multiple full cycle deals already completed. It's a big plus if they've invested through a recessionary period. And I know that's more rare these days because it's been so long since the 2008 crisis. But I want someone who's at least gone full cycle and has a sizable portfolio. I have to ask before we transition the show, someone who is putting together a short-term rental portfolio, how do they demonstrate to you they've gone full cycle? The one that we're currently invested in, the managers themselves have been investing in Airbnb properties for many years. However, they got together and raised a $37 million fund last year, which is already cash flowing above the PREF, and they have eight successful exits already at over 40% IRR. That tells me that they have done this before. They know what they're doing. They're able to execute full cycle on the business plan, and it's something with a good shot of success in the future. That makes a lot of sense. Elijah, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Let's do it. What is the best ever book you recently read? The E-Myth real estate version of the E-Myth. Great book. It's about essentially how to build and scale a business by using systems and processes and technology. I have to ask, it's the E-Myth written by Michael E. Gerber, and he often yeah, dives into individual industries and finds a co-author to speak specifically to that industry. I know the E-Myth real estate brokerage. Is there another E-Myth real estate book? I don't think I read one about brokerage. It was specifically about investing. I would look into I'm, that. I know there's a lot of different E-Myth books. I'm definitely going to have to find that one. What is your best ever way to give back? I think education is awesome. What's interesting is that within our small multifamily value add circles, it feels like everybody has heard the broken record of passive income and financial independence and multifamily value add. But once you take one step outside that circle, 99.9% of the world has never heard of it and does not understand. And they think that the best way to 
freedom is by working a job for 40 or 50 years. So I wrote an ebook that people can download at goldhawk.us slash ebook, which essentially explains how you can generate passive income with minimal effort through investing in real estate as a passive investor. I also contribute to LinkedIn typically three times per week with something that's valuable, something that will provide some kind of advice in the real estate realm. And then I'm always doing free phone calls with people all the time to provide my mentorship and advice. That's awesome. Back to the best of her book. I just looked it up. It's the, the E-Myth Real Estate Investor, co-authored ah. by Michael E. Gerber and Than Merrill. Uh, yes. It was released in October of 2020, which is why I hadn't heard of it because I read the E-Myth back ah. in like 2015, 2016. Sure. But good stuff. Yeah. Elijah, I want to ask specifically about your fund of funds. What is sure. the biggest mistake you've made with it and the best ever lesson that has resulted from that mistake? Ah, okay. I'd like to actually pivot that a little bit from the fund of fund and give something a little bit different. So while I was still an active manager, I had to go away. So I'm in the Army Reserves, and I had to go away to a school for a little while. And I made the decision to move full steam ahead on a project where I would not be able to check in on the work for at least a month at a time. So I released the general contractor to do the work and was not able to physically inspect the work for over a month. And when I finally got back, it was a disaster. So that was a big mistake. I should have at least hired or had someone checking in or I should have just figured out how to get back to see the project so that that was probably the biggest mistake within the fund of funds. What's great is that I'm not the one who is actually syndicating the property. So all the issues that occur on the property level, someone else who is more seasoned and has more resources and is very professional with a large team is handling that problem for me. So I don't really have to deal with that. So I would say at this point, there haven't really been any large mistakes within the fund of funds model other than not starting it sooner. So I should have started this passive investment model five years ago rather than just doing all active deals. Difficult question here. Any of the deals that you've invested in currently, are you experiencing capital calls? No. Thankfully, we are not in a position where we need to do any capital calls to our investors. And thankfully, I'm not getting capital called on any of the deals I've invested in. I purposely invest in sponsors that are not able to do capital calls. I like sponsors who are independently wealthy and can essentially write a check or source the capital from somewhere else rather than coming to investors. That's awesome. That makes a lot of sense. On that note, Elijah, what is your best ever advice? Okay, I got two. So if you're just getting started and you, you want to do a real estate thing, do the house hack live and flip burr. So essentially, you're going to find a property that needs renovation. You're going to move in. You're going to renovate it while you live there. And then you're going to go and rent out all the rooms except for one where you're going to sleep. Preferably do this with a duplex or a fourplex and you rent the other rooms out. The tenants help you pay the mortgage. You then go and refinance the property and pull most of your original cash out. And you can do this 
with a very low down payment since it's a primary residence. You can do it with a 3% down. You could probably borrow that 3% from somewhere. So that's the best way, I think, when you're getting started to get rich quick so that you can at least have a little pot of cash to then start really investing in deals with. That's the first one. The second one is more of just life advice. Figure out what you really want to do. For us, that's traveling. We're going beach to beach in Baja, Mexico, and we'll be heading up toward Canada in a little bit. We just want to really see the world and spend our time. The money is great, but it really doesn't matter. You got to figure out what you want to do that's going to make you happy in your life and make sure you're making really good memories and having a great time. Last question. Where can people get in touch with you? LinkedIn's the best. Add me on LinkedIn. Shoot me a message. It's linkedin.com slash in slash Elijah W. Brown. That link is in the show notes, as well as the link to his website where you can get his ebook. Elijah, thank you. Best ever listeners, thank you as well for tuning in. If you've gained value from this episode, please do subscribe to our show. Leave us a five-star review and share this episode with a friend you know we can add value to through our conversation today. Thank you and have a best ever day. Thanks so much, Slocum, for having me on. I appreciate it. Hi, Best Ever listeners. Joe Fairless here again. And one last thing before you go, would you like to receive a short weekly email with proven tips from experienced investors, free tools and resources, and a roundup of the week's most relevant news and Best Ever content? Well, if so, join the community of nearly 15,000 commercial real estate passive and active investors who receive the Best Ever newsletter. Just go to bestevercre.com forward slash access and you'll get the very next one. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, thank you for listening and have a best ever day.